You're listening to a podcast from BJSM. Thanks for joining this BJSM podcast. I'm with Professor Yuji Dorak from FIFA and Dr. Jonathan Tobin, who's from Bolton Wanderers. And both of these names are familiar for many reasons, and one is their efforts to prevent cardiac uh, events in football. Now, Yuji, we're going to highlight the FIFA Medical Commission's efforts in this area and you introduced Jonathan Tobin to that group last month. Tell us your goals with FIFA Medical Commission and FMARC to reduce cardiac events in football. That started uh, actually 2003 when we were shocked and alarmed by the sudden cardiac death of a very prominent uh, young Cameroonian player Mark Vivian Foy, who died during the FIFA Confederation Cup in Lyon. We were aware of this situation even before, but uh, that was like a uh, shock for uh, FIFA and for the medical committee that something has to be done to understand and, if possible, to prevent uh, such uh, tragic events. So then we went uh, into the literature and uh, started to study, and um, the development was very much supportive from the FIFA management. So we could introduce a uh, routine examination as a sign and as a role model for all FIFA and all other competitions around the world with the pre-competition medical assessment a complete checkup of players participating in the World Cup 2006, and that included uh, the cardiac uh, assessment like ECG, exercise ECG, and also echocardiography. And uh, all the teams participated, all the team doctors were very supportive because it's to the benefit of all. And then from then on, We did the same uh, exercise during the Women's World Cup 2007. And finally, the FIFA Executive Committee, based upon the uh, background uh, information and scientific information, decided in October 2010 that players participating in any FIFA competition started already with the under-17 have to perform the pre-competition medical assessment. This is also uh, valid for the Olympic Games. So like now, when the teams who qualified for the Olympic Games in London, they have to make this uh, examination, including heart, as a mandatory part of their preparation. And Jonathan, how has this affected doctors at the club level? You've had five years at Bolton, and uh, tell us how things are for you at the ground level. I think that um, working within the English Premier League, there are resources um, available to us that aren't available further down the football pyramid. So we've had a clear program of the pre-screening that Yush has been talking about for several years now, um, with all players screened with echoes and ECGs at the age of 16, and then clubs are redoing that every two years. It's been an important part of uh, the program that Yoshi was talking about to have that implemented and, and within the football pyramid within England. The other arm, of course, is that no matter how good the pre-competition screening is and, and, and the expertise 
that we're using at the moment is, is, is excellent. It's never going to be able to pick up every problem. There are always going to be situations on the pitch across the world where you are going to get sudden cardiac arrest. You can't eliminate the problem. You can just reduce that. And from that point of view, I think the English Premier League has really focused on making sure that the organisation of equipment, personnel and planning for any event at any of their games um, has really, really progressed over the last seven or eight years. And I think what happened with Fabrice in March at Tottenham really is a reflection of just how hard the English Premier League have worked to get that organisation in place that should anything happen that everyone knows what to do, the equipment that we need is there pitch side, and, and the organisation is, is spot on because that's what needs to happen to have a successful outcome if, God forbid, one of these events does happen. I think what is Jonathan telling is very important to have um, the system in place at the club levels, at the national team levels, as a role model for the entire nation because it's not only a problem of the professionals, it's also a problem of the hundreds of thousands uh, nameless football players, as was demonstrated during the Budapest conference. We can talk about this a little later. But the issue of um, the unknown etiology of sudden cardiac arrest is very important also to be prepared for an emergency management. So the plan has to be set before. And this is something where we are from the FMARC now doing everything that we get more information. I mean, we can pick up the cardiac hypertrophy with the echo, but we really very difficult uh, to pick up uh, certain uh, arrhythmias, which are occurring particularly in uh, young adolescents and even children. In our survey, we had the youngest um, 14 years old died on sudden cardiac uh, arrest. And those arrhythmias, they have to be investigated very carefully. And here we are with the FMARC launching a large um, research project also on the genetics with the world-leading cardiologists, with the headquarters in Zurich at the University of Zurich. And I think this is important that we do a coordinated effort to find out more about the etiology. I've got to say, I think that... Yushi is completely right with the top-down approach. It's a two-pronged approach. The first thing is trying to pick up problems before they occur with the screening programs that are being put in place and are being constantly improved. And the other thing is, is as I said, to get the organization right if these events do happen. And in the English Premier League, I'm lucky. I've got as, as much resources as I really need to put in the programs that are the organization that I want to have around me during a match. But realistically, simply having somebody who has basic training in life support, simply having a defib, which is relatively cheap nowadays, um, in place, and simply having somebody who's thought what we should do if, God forbid, this happened, and who's going to do what, how do we get the gates open, who calls the ambulance, and having a simple plan of action um, and this is all relatively cheap. It's, it can be done at any level. And I think it will be a major step forward, as you said, for those 14 and 15 and 16-year-olds that are not playing uh, in competitions with the resources of the English Premier League. One of the things that the Budapest conference, which Yoshi managed that I was really, really, really impressed with, 
with just how on board all of the member nations were with just starting to put in basic organization um, and planning around this issue because I think what the Fabrice's arrest has done has brought it home is just how important that organization and planning can be and it doesn't take a lot of resources to get that in place. I think this is what was the, one of the most important outcomes of the uh, second FIFA medical conference in Budapest uh, in May this year that FIFA announced that we will supply to each of our 209 member associations as a sign of commitment not only the automated external defibrillator but also to offer to each member association a complete educational package which we are working on now that shows what has to be done in advance with examination with the PCMA we have all the scientific uh, papers uh, backing us in this respect and then how to set the emergency plan in case that something happened that the paramedical personnel trainers fitness trainers coaches can operate the equipment which as Jonathan says is relatively cheap and affordable considering that you save life with it with regard to uh, the, the sort of legacy that's come out of the events of this year and also on the back of what uh, of, the, of the quite stunning work that FIFA have been doing we, we, we've got a scheme locally where teams uh, put together by Bolton Wanderers Football Club of paramedics and educators are now going into local schools. And on the back of what's happened, they're educating children and teachers in terms of what to do with basic life support and what to do in a collapse situation. The 14-year-old that Yoshi mentioned is an absolute tragedy, but there will be less of those if people around know just basically what to do and how to go about doing it. And our window of uh, opportunities somewhere between two to three minutes. So we have to act fast. It's probably easy to do that in England, but it's very difficult uh, to organize such a, um, such a preparation in countries like Cayman Island, where we had uh, just last week the president of the association phoned me and told me, well, we had yesterday and sudden cardiac death on the pitch with 20 years old uh, footballer and nothing was in place so we have to do this work also for the countries where they really are in desperate need so use the example from England and the swift action of Jonathan saving the life of uh, Fabrice Muamba and use the popularity of football I think we can raise the awareness to that issue. I think one of the most startling things here, actually, was um, at the Budapest conference as well, was the number of people that were coming up from those member states without the resources that we have in England and France and Spain, uh, from Burundi and um, from Malawi that were coming up to me and speaking to me at lunchtime. And there was an absolute willingness to get on board with what needs to happen. Now, their resources are very limited. There are constant demands from a lot of different people on those resources. But I think there was a genuine desire from everybody right across all 209 member states to try and get this, these implement, to try and implement these programs and to try and look at these issues with a seriousness that I'm not entirely sure was there perhaps before FIFA have started pushing this agenda. Um, 
<laughs> my favourite quote, or one of my favourite quotes, is when football talk talks, people listen. And that's completely right, is that football can be used um, in this way, and it's a really good example of how football can be used to promote uh, a health agenda that's going to affect people way outside the world of football. These people who are keen and they want to take the next step, in terms of the plan of action and the practice, tell us how you prepared people in the Bolton team and in the Tottenham setting. You know, How did you know what to do in that very stressful situation? Tell us about the practice program and basically what a listener can do if they want to be active and take the specific next step in their club. Um, nothing actually prepares you for trying to perform uh, CPR on a pitch with 35,000 people. Each year we, are, we go on a course um, of emergency management which covers other issues but also basic life support and what to do in the arrest situation and that's done by myself and the physios at all English Premier League clubs um, and on top of that twice a year we have people a paramedic coming in to train to, to just run through some scenarios with us there's a little bit of reluctance on the coaches their time's busy and they're focusing they want to be focusing on the team and the football uh, to get involved but I think what's happened with Fabrice certainly made that easier and with regard to other people who want to get involved certainly the ambulance service and the paramedics and this is pretty widespread now across England um, run courses and are willing to come into schools to give advice um, and so the, the first forward port of call probably be your local paramedics who undoubtedly will run courses for schools schools health officers also will act as a point of liaison to implement this. But again, what, what these courses, I think, really aim to do, and, and Yoshi was so right with this, is you have a very small window. And all you're trying to do is alleviate some of that initial panic so that instead of being watchers, people become doers. They go and make that phone call to the ambulance immediately. They go and start basic life support. And that's what we found, I suppose, even at the level of expertise of the paramedics and and had on the pitch and myself and uh, and others, is that once you start the process of basic life support, everything clicks into gear and you can just go down the pathways that are sort of standardised across the world in terms of what to do with CPR. Um, it's just getting that ball rolling that's the very hardest part. And in terms of getting the ball rolling, let's say this season coming up, would you suggest people do this before the season starts and at least once during the season to have an actual practice? Absolutely. Well, I've looked back at the incident that happened on the pitch at Spurs, and there are a minor things we could have done better. There are a lot of things we could have done worse. But the one thing, bar none, that would have led to a disaster is the organisation, is having the equipment there, knowing where it is, having a phone to phone an ambulance. It doesn't take any resources to organise that plan. It just takes somebody to sit down for a couple of hours with a pen and paper and just start running through and saying, well, if this does happen, what are we going to do? Is there a phone in someone's bag by the side of the pitch, or do you have to run 400 metres to the changing rooms, try and unlock their door to get in to get a phone? It's simple things like this that just need somebody to take a little bit of time and to think through that can make all the difference. So what you are saying, Jonathan, to have a very clear checklist for everybody who is involved and responsible for a football match and any sporting event, this checklist has to be really in front of your brain if something happens that you know this has to take part in the operation and management of the injury. That's great. Um, last issue, AED. So 
you know, people have agreed that they're essential. There's a debate about the cost, you know, what level should there be one? And usually you might want to talk about the ABC plan. Yes, we will distribute the AEDs as a sign, as a symbol to every member association that also the responsible people. And we have, you know, you have to take in account, like in Germany, we have every weekend about uh, 75,000 organized football matches. In England, they are about the same every weekend. So it is a huge dimension we are talking uh, about. And uh, there we have to do a lot of work in future. And the ABC formulated in Budapest by um, our dear friend Ephraim Kramer was um, A for automated external defibrillator, B, blow the whistle. Before you blow the whistle by a referee, he has to check that everything is in place, that the AED is ready to be used, and then C commands the game. So this ABC we have to push everywhere, wherever possible, and make it really mandatory for, uh, for to start. And the referee plays an important role in the management system because he is the one who has to stop the game and allow the doctors or the paramedics to enter the field. AEDs will become cheaper in time. They will become more available in time. And I think what we need to do is just keep pushing forward the ABC program on the back of the organization and organizational elements that I've mentioned as well. And it's a top-down process, as we've said, is that with all of these things, we get it right at the English Premier League level, we get it right at the FIFA level, and this is then that goes down the leagues, and once it's in, within the leagues, it will go down into club football and down into schools and everywhere else. You know, also to get the support by the executives who finally allowed to spend the money for, for the AEDs, we have now established the international registry on the sudden cardiac arrest, sudden cardiac death from all our countries, member associations. And I think that uh, also document the need. And uh, if we communicate those results, and you know, we have now registered 85 sudden cardiac uh, deaths over the past uh, five years in the football community. And there are probably many which are not known, which are just happening and have not been registered in in the country. I think I think you actually actually finished on a really good point. Is that we talk about the pre-participation screening, which is of huge importance. We talk about the emergency planning, which again is of huge importance. But the third thing is that collaboration of reporting of these incidences of the epidemiology of allowing allowing the people that we have working within that field to start helping educate us to, so we can focus our efforts where they need to be focused. Um, and that probably is, is the third and one of the most important arms of, of how we go around improving uh, the sporting management of, of cardiac death. Thanks to both of you for coordinating your time so we can share this information with BJSM listeners. There are other resources on BJSM about sudden cardiac death, including a podcast by Jonathan Dresner. We'll put links on the website, and of course, you can follow for updates on Twitter, which is at BJSM underscore BMJ. Thanks for listening to this BJSM podcast. For more information about this program and other BMJ group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.